0: welcome you into the Retirement Plan Playbook. I'm Brent, and joined as always by Matthew Thiel and Joshua Wintersight.
1: How's it going today, guys? Uh, It's going well, Brent. Are you going to inform our listeners where we're uh, broadcasting from today? Yeah, we uh, finally stepped into the office to do a, a real
0: podcast from our real podcast room, and we're off the Zoom, so it feels nice to actually see you guys a little bit
1: in person yeah it is nice though i do see joshua all the time because him and i are big golf guys yeah big golf guys this is actually kind of weird though i'm kind of used to seeing you guys on
2: the screen <laughs> i think i got used to like the zoom podcast feels different
0: yeah i think you know obviously with the exception of podcasts we probably would do, be doing a lot more zoom still in the future
1: but it feels good to be back I have Zoom fatigue, so if we never have to go on Zoom again, I'll be real happy. (laughs) It is better to see people in person, though. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, Today's topic is exit planning, how business owners cash out. Uh, But before we start, let's uh, start, as always, with a quick question. PGA started this weekend. Did you guys watch it?
1: Yeah, I watched a little Thursday, a little Friday. And then I watched most of the final round on Sunday. It, 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 I don't watch a lot of golf. It's, it's really not been my thing. I find it boring. And I, if I want to watch a boring sport, I'd rather watch baseball. <laughs> but, but towards the end of the, of the tournament, my wife kept saying, like, what inning are we in? Are they out yet? <laughs> Can we watch something else? I, I just thought it was funny. Did, did, you, did you enjoy it? Did you catch it, Josh? Uh,
2: yeah. I actually, um, it was interesting because the tournament started Thursday. But it wasn't, like, broadcast on, like, regular television in the morning. Golf TV, right? Yeah, like, the broadcast was kind of different. Once I got where it was being broadcast down, because I don't really watch golf much at all. But because it was a live sport and it was back, I, I was interested in it. And I did watch it um, sporadically through the weekend. And uh, Matt, my wife, was the same. She's like, why are you watching golf?
0: <laughs> I, I didn't get a chance to catch it. I'm assuming uh, for obvious reasons there was no fans. Is that correct? Or how did they do? they have people spaced out or what did they do? Well,
1: I, I didn't see fans on the course.
2: Yeah, it was no fans. Yeah. And I think that they even did like um essential workers only. Because they have like additional staff, um, people who track your ball and stuff like that. I heard the announcers talking that. Like it was the bare minimum to making sure like the golf tournament went off and was televised.
0: And is is there another one coming up?
1: Thursday. Nice. I think
2: they're rolling like every weekend, right?
1: Yeah, the tour's back. I think we might even try a little DFS golf. So that's daily fantasy sports. So this wasn't just a special
0: event golf game. This was this is the PGA Tour coming back for the yeah, season. And,
2: yeah, and they had a tons. All, like Most of all the, the big stars were playing,
1: so that's what made it even better. Yeah, just waiting on Tiger. Yeah. Is he coming back? I don't know if he's playing this weekend. I haven't seen anything. Well, I mean, we know he's good because he just did the match with uh, Phil. It's always better with Tiger. Yeah, it is.
0: All right, let's get into the hot take headlines. After reopening of the economy, we are now being hit with the second wave of COVID-19. Uh, what's your take on what's happening,
1: Matt? My take is be careful with the data. It, it does seem like the cases are are spiking. That That's true. But also, you know, a COVID case isn't created equal, and we've learned that at this point. I, I think people would be wise to start following hospitalizations or even ventilations, right? Because that's where the serious cases are, but... It, you know, a case of COVID isn't created equal. The football player Ezekiel Elliott just tested positive for COVID, but he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. right? So I don't know. The media is just trying to create hysteria. My question is, is like, they keep saying the
0: second wave, but when did we finish the first wave? I know New York flattened the curve, but nobody else really flattened the curve. So it's not really a second wave. It's an extension of the first wave.
2: Is it kind of just more like the trend of lower numbers stopped decreasing. It stopped decreasing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, I agree with you. Is it really a second wave?
0: <laughs> yeah. It just seems that people are getting very relaxed, but for obvious reasons. I mean, I think a lot of people have quarantine fatigue. Everyone's ready to be out. But my feeling is is that there needs to be really you know nationwide guidelines. You know, either everybody would need to wear a mask, or just there should be consistent guidelines across the board. And I feel like there's just been missed messages this whole time just put a mask on. Yep.
2: Yeah, and that's the consensus. I mean, a lot, there's so much research out now and the consensus research is social distancing still and wearing masks. So, right. you know, when those things aren't happening, can we expect to see more cases? Yeah, probably. So, you know, was anyone really really that surprised? But let's continue to focus on the areas that we know are effective.
0: And this is what we do know. Businesses are no longer shutting down. We're not all shutting down again. So, there's a new normal for most businesses and if we just practice safe guidelines, we should be okay. Yeah,
1: yeah I agree.
0: Uh, with sports canceled, and I think this is interesting, young people are turning to the stock market. What do you think about the Dave Portnoy and the army of Robin Hood traders?
1: So we should probably you know, define who, who Dave Portnoy, Portnoy is. Is that how you say it? Portnoy, I think. Portnoy, is that correct, Ross? Yeah, I think that's how you say it. A.K.A. Davey Day Trader, right? That's his uh, alias when he trades. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, so a, a, a trader. he's the founder of Barstool Sports, which is a popular sports gambling entertainment company. Is sports, that sports print publication? Right. And so, and he recently got paid. Was it like in December, November when Penn National Gaming took that big stake in Barstool? Yeah. yeah. Sometime in the fourth quarter of last year. Anyways, I think his net worth is like 300 million, right? I think it's 100. But oh, 100? Okay. Yeah. So he, he got bored because there's no sports and decided to start investing in the stock market because he couldn't gamble anymore. So right. he put some of his, his funds in an E-Trade account and essentially started broadcasting it on Twitter. Right. And then all the other people who just were into fantasy sports and sports gambling opened up these Robinhood accounts, which is a free trading app, and they've been trading, Right. Right so kind of crazy and then i saw the retail participations at its highest level ever
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no sports gambling's done so everyone's day trading
1: and, and the crazy thing is you think oh they're day trading they're making you know ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars a day i read this article man some kid put a hundred dollars in and it went, his account went to 200. And who's like, they're literally trading in very, very small size. Right. Um, it's fascinating because all these young people are learning about the stock market, but in a way, they're also picking up some bad habits too.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the mixed message that I get. Uh, for me, I think it's really neat for young people. I think it's really neat for people who don't have a lot of experience trading. You know, I've been telling my brothers for years to open up a small account and trade their own money. So you get used to looking at companies, buying companies. And putting good strong fundamentals and just purchasing stock—that's an important aspect of life. Like people should be doing that. It's not till this Portnoy effect that they actually start doing it. And there is no sports gambling right now. So this is what everybody is sort of—it seems like—turning to. Does it continue? That's what I would want to know. It's cool. Like all these people going online, putting some money in, trading, and doing this. I think that's really neat. I really find it very neat for people to get that experience. It should be taught in high school. It should be taught in college. People should learn how to do these things at a younger age. And it's neat that these kids and the young people are going on these platforms and being able to do this now. But there's risk that comes with that also.
2: Yeah, and he he's very polarizing. You can see just so many people start trading because, you know, this is his new persona every day during the week instead of being the sports guy. Right. So that he has, you know, tons of followers and um the only thing that kind of scares me, you know, like some of the things that he says is stocks only go up, <laughs> repeat back <laughs> yeah. to my first rule, starting like that. And that kind of leads me to my thought or my take on this is just be careful. But ultimately, like if this is going to get you to start investing and learning, you know, it is a great way. You're only really going to get that experience by actually doing it, you know, so great for young investors. I think, you know, the younger you can start and the younger you can learn,
1: the better. Um, Just don't risk more than you can afford. What a talented guy, though. I mean, here he is. He's got this big following. Um, he he is moving stock markets right now. I agree. Um, but whether you believe it or not, his trades, his picks, people are following him. And it's, it's definitely moving the needle on Robinhood, at least from a brokerage standpoint. But he could build, if he wanted to, a hundred plus million dollar investment company right now. Right. Media company, right? He is so talented, so he could have sports and gambling and then investment. In, um, if he really wanted to,
0: he said on CNBC yesterday that once sports goes back, that he'll be done with this. But I think that the following is so large, I would I would have to imagine that this continues in some other capacity or in some capacity.
2: I just don't see how he can he captured an audience and potentially a new audience with you know investing. So how do you just walk away from it? you got to still satisfy that craving for all those people
1: who are turning into you for your stock pick of the day, right? And and he's probably going to learn real fast. You make a lot more money in the stock market than you do gambling on sports.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I don't
1: don't know if you saw, uh, I think it was a tweet
0: yesterday that said something like, because the stock market was down yesterday. oh, just wait till 11 o'clock because that's when all the Portnoy army will start waking up.
1: <laughs> that's that's uh, funny. That's,
0: that's pretty good. All right, so let's get into the retirement planning corner. What is exit planning and and how do business owners actually exit their business? You want to start with that?
1: Yeah, so the way I like to think of exit planning is it's financial planning for business owners. It's taking what a business owner has created throughout their life, you know, that business, built it up from scratch. And getting paid for it—it's the roadmap, the steps to getting paid for what you have created.
0: Yeah, I I think of it as also, and that's a great point. Selling your business is kind of like selling your house. If you have a lot of equity in your business and you want to cash out that equity, the only way to get that equity out of your house is to sell your house, and the only way to sell your house is really to have a buyer, and if somebody came in and said, Hey, you know, you do X, Y, Z to your house and you're going to get exponential more money for selling your house. You know, you could tweak a little few things and then start to exit your business and sell your house. You know, when you go to really exit your business and sell, you're actually walking away and selling your business to somebody else to actually start cashing it out at that point.
2: Yeah. And I, I take it one step even back. I mean, Exit planning to me, when I you know first hear that, you're actually then like tying a goal to the future of your business. I feel like a lot of people, when we meet small business owners, especially, you know, great at what they're doing, and it, but everything is sort of in that short term because we want to succeed in the short term. There's just so much work that goes into running a business, but to take a step back and, and to think about an exit plan or that long term goal of how one are you eventually going to get paid or one when are you going to retire. I mean, I think that that's how I kind of summarize, you know, that exit planning thought.
0: Let's discuss the four areas that build a really strong exit plan. And what questions do business owners really need to answer in that process? What are some of those created exit objectives, Matt?
1: Yeah, so when we're talking about exit objectives, there's three main questions business owners need to ask themselves. And they don't have to know the answers right away, but they should be thinking of them. Number one is, when do you want to leave? Number two is, how much money do you need from your business? right? Like How how much do you actually need to sell it for? And then finally, and this one's really important, to whom do you want to sell the business to?
0: So when do you want to leave? How much do you need? And who do you want to sell it to? All critical aspects. Now, if we look at number one, the first one, is that, that easy of a question for a business owner to answer.
2: No. I, I, when you look at these questions and we read them back, I mean, I think all three of them are extremely difficult to answer.
1: And I think a lot of business owners, you know, when they do hire us to do exit planning, they come in and they'll, they'll have a set timetable. They'll be like, I want to sell my business within the next year. I'm just done. I'm out. Get me out. Tell me how to do it, right? So they kind of have an idea, but it takes much longer than that. Well, I feel like even some
2: business owners, like that, that's kind of the idea. But like when you're like, No, really when do you wanna leave? Like there is that time frame. It's just there's a lot of gray area to that time frame. Well, I would like to leave in a year, but and there's this laundry list behind it. So to answer that question is just very difficult.
1: That's true.
0: That's a good point. And I feel like either business owners wanna leave, let's leave now, or they're more or less like, Yeah, I wanna leave but I really don't know what I want to do after I leave. So I do want to leave, but I actually want to actually stay in the business.
2: Yeah. And that's why these questions are really good. Even the next one, how much money do you need from your business? I think that's one of the big buts or the fears is, yeah, I want to leave, but I don't know how I'm going to generate income or how much money I need from the business to actually live the life I think I
0: I want. It's a critical aspect of doing business exit planning. I mean, if you're used to your business generating a certain amount of revenue or cash flow to you, um, you live a certain lifestyle based on what your business provides you, at some point you really need to figure out, how much am I going to need from this business when I sell it to sustain the lifestyle that I've lived all of these years, to maintain that for the rest of my life? And that could be a, a a short time in retirement, and that could be a long time. And that's an important question to answer. And that's something we address right off the bat.
1: Right. And we can use some financial planning, some retirement planning techniques to help come up with those, those numbers.
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's a process
1: that business owners have to address first. Because if
0: not, then what are you solving for, I guess?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're just randomly selling, right? Yeah.
0: Oh, 2 million
1: sounds good to me. I'll take it. Yeah.
0: And you don't know if that's enough because uh, as both of you know, just because you sell your business for two million doesn't mean you're walking away with two million dollars in your pocket. No. And then the last one obviously is to whom do you want to sell your business to? So that leaves a lot of questions also.
1: Yeah, so you can sell your business to a lot of different parties, right? Third party internal sale, you could sell it to your family members. Um, there's a lot of different ways to sell your business. And a business is kind of like a home that you've lived in for a really long time. It's a great analogy. You use Brent where you might really care who buys your business, just like you might really care who buys your home. I mean, a lot of people don't want to sell their home to that family that's just going to come in and rip it apart or, um, you know, a, a certain couple or whatever.
0: And I feel like business owners re- reach a lot of roadblocks where they think, oh, nobody inside my business can afford it. They really don't know who they could sell it to. So they have kind of hit this mental roadblock where they don't really know what their options are selling, except all they think is, you know, I just have to sell it to a third party which that, you know, necessarily is not true. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's so many ways that you could sell your business. Mm -hmm. So once we start answering these objectives, I mean, sort of what's that next step? Our our next step is obviously creating an advisor team. So to do a proper exit plan, uh, you need to create a team. What type of players do you want on your team at that point?
1: Yeah, so you're definitely going to want to have a a good CPA. And I, I know this is a mistake quite a few business owners make is, they actually don't have a good CPA, right? They've either been going to the same guy for 30 years or um, someone in their company does the accounting or they try and do it themselves. Um, so you're definitely going to want a CPA who's very, very well-versed in helping business owners exit. Uh, number two, you're always going to want to have attorneys, right? That's, that's where you get the protection from. Um, you're going to want a financial advisor, someone to help you invest the money you get. And then if you go the third party route, you're going to want to have a business broker, right? And that's just like having a real estate agent.
0: And I think with the CPA, I mean, if you're going to sell your business, your books have to be correct. And you have to do projected future cash flow on your books. So there is a, if you're also doing a valuation on your business, the CPA has to be doing their job and it has to be done right.
1: Right, because uh, who's ever buying your business is going to come in and, and do their own projections, and if yours are wrong, they're going to rip it up, and you're going to get a lot less money than your your business is worth. Yeah, and, and buyers
0: who buy businesses, and I don't know, I mean, you could tell me if you think different, but buyers who buy businesses, they buy businesses. They know how to buy businesses. A seller who sells a business, most sellers aren't selling multiple businesses in their lifetime.
1: Right, and, and that's like our friend who... um works in the eye care industry who buys small eye care practices. Like his job is just to look at, you know, the financials of eye care practices and, you know, buy them and roll them up. And you're potentially going into
2: negotiation. Don't you want to be ultimately the most prepared? Yeah. So, I mean, if your data isn't great, you're limping into the negotiation.
1: That's a great point.
0: Yeah. I mean, you want that upper hand. I mean, just like anything else in negotiation, you want to know what you have. You want to know that what you've built, you're going to get what you deserve out of it. And you, the last thing you need is someone coming and picking apart numbers and you not really having any idea how to debate that issue. Yeah, or just even answer the
1: questions. Right.
0: Anything else on the, the team that gets put in there? I know we kind of picked on the CPAs there for a while, but...
1: Well, I, all I would say to leave people with is exit planner, what they really are is your, uh, your general contractor and they're subbing out all the other work, right? Right. Um, to, to kind of use that construction analogy. So that's the role their running point on everything, they sub out the work to make sure it gets done.
0: And, the, and someone has to be leading that point to communicate with all of the people involved, the whole team, because somebody has to be leading that communication because communication is key as you're doing exit planning.
1: Exactly. If the accountant doesn't know what kind of trust the attorney is using, then everything's going to get messed up. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then financial advisor is so critical also to be able to prepare what the business owner is going to do, obviously, as you said, do with the money once it comes in, but also prepare to on what the business owner is going to need to get out of the business or you can't sell at that point.
2: That part's critical. Uh, right from the beginning, you can have a good understanding of, you know, does the business sell for really and kind of complete all of the objectives you're looking to get out of the sell. So it really answers a lot of questions from working with an advisor on the team is saying, we're going to get some of these questions answered that you might not know the answers to because we're going to run all of the data and the numbers for you.
0: Yeah. And a business broker is so critical too. I mean, if you're going to the market to sell, uh, can you imagine being a business owner just trying to go and sell it yourself and negotiate? I mean, that just seems like an impossible task.
1: Yeah. I, I don't see how you could unless you're you know one of those CFO financial types who's really good at sales.
0: And, and I think, you know, there's eight different ways that you can sell your business. And we're going to have to do a podcast on those eight different ways. We'll break them all down because there's just so much that goes into the options of selling your business. Uh, let's go on to the next one. What is the exit planner doing behind the scenes when you start the planning process?
1: Um, So just like when we're doing financial planning, uh, it's a discovery process, right? We're trying to learn as much as we can about not only the business owner but the business or different businesses that that person is involved in. So we start by learning goals and objectives. We then move into getting the value of that business, right? What's an idea of what's what it's worth? Once we know what it's worth, we can start discussing how we're going to increase the value of that business using different value drivers and. From there, we talk about okay, then we're going to sell the business, how are we going to invest the money and protect the money so that you could pass it on for, you know, generations to come and really create that generational wealth, that legacy plan.
0: Yeah, and and you know, when you start looking at what buyers are looking for when they're coming in to buy your business, I think this is a critical aspect to increase the value of what your business is going to be. I mean, if you start putting these planning techniques in place, you're going to increase the multiple of what your business is worth.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's what you meant, right, when you said value. I know you said value drivers, but just for the audience, techniques or strategies that are going to maximize the value of the business.
1: Strategies that will increase what a buyer is willing to pay for your business.
0: Right, because the buyer comes in and they want to see key factors. And if they see these key factors, the value of your business is going to go up because the buyer knows that they're buying something that's sustainable and something that they can manage and control and build off of as they take over. But if you don't have these key value drivers in place, they're buying a business that potentially has holes in it, and then that's a potential way for them to lose money. So buyers want to see value drivers. And business owners and most business owners really don't know what value drivers are until you get into the last stage of, of selling your business. And by that time, you can't put those in place. Right. You need to plan ahead for them. Absolutely. And that's why we work with. Every business owner, I think it's critical as we put value drivers in place, you, ha- you want to increase the maximum value of the business. And that's what I was talking about when I said, you know, with your house, you know, you tweak a couple of things and your house could potentially be worth more money. I mean, yeah, new, everybody want to do that.
1: New countertops. You know, maybe maybe
2: New a fresh coat faces. of paint. Yeah. It's, and it's more calculated value instead of just perceived value of what the owner perceives the value is. So eliminating some of that and actually focusing on calculated value, in this case, drivers.
0: Absolutely. And then the other one is is creating the plan. So, you know, what do you actually receive when you create the plan on business exit planning?
1: This is like that Michael Kitz's question, right? Yeah, this all sounds good, but at the end of the day, what am I actually getting? Well, you're getting a set of strategies and recommendations, right? And throughout the process, we're, we're going through it and implementing all these recommendations and in a way, turning your business um, from a good business into a great business.
0: Right, and then turning your great business into something that you're eventually selling for a lot of money and potentially, hopefully saving a lot of money in taxes on as you exit out.
1: Yes, exactly. Getting you paid for what you created. What is your thought on this, Josh?
2: I think that um, you know creating the plan and a big part of the recommendation. We're just looking at this and talking it out. Brent, you mentioned you know there's eight different ways to exit the business. You know just those recommendations on that piece of helping someone, you know, close in on the different options that they have to actually exit the business. I know we talk about you know maximizing value and you know get exiting the business, but let's really explore all of the different ways for you to exit. It doesn't always mean you know give selling it to some outside party. You know Matt talked about internal transfers too, so just creating that plan and getting that recommendation list to help, you know, a business owner really understand their situation and have some clarity like we do with retirement planning too is just very very valuable.
0: Yeah, and I think once you really start to go through the exit planning process, there are so many areas of of planning that you go through from whether it's the cash flow planning, To the valuation, to the value drivers, the internal transfer versus a third party sale. And then, you know, all of the legal aspect of it, protecting your business and uh, the continuity plan, the compensation plan for employees that will keep them there. There's a lot of aspects of really creating a strong plan that all really goes into that. But when you're really just looking at what does the business owner get for like the financial plan or creating the plan process, it's a very detailed out way to put things into place that will then become and help your business be worth money and more money as you go through that exit process. Well said. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are the various strategies uh, business owners can use to exit their business and move on to other endeavors? These are things that we're going to get into in more depth in the next podcast, but what are the main ones? Let's talk quickly about those.
1: Yeah, so they break down into basically two of them, right? You could do an internal transfer, which has its own list, and then you could do an external transfer, which has its own list of ways you can sell. And I think like you've been hinting at, we're going to dive deep into them later. Um, but for on an external side, that would mean most likely selling it to a third party, um, probably a private equity firm, or it could be um, a search fund, right? So search funds are, are usually Bunch of MBAs get together, they raise some money, then they go look for good businesses to buy. Or it could just be a career-changing professional who wants to do something else, they're sick of the nine-to-five grind and they wanna be their own boss. So that would be uh, good examples of external transfers. Mm -hmm. And then um, on the internal side, your number one uh, internal transfer would be selling it to someone who actually works for you. Uh, Maybe some key executives, some key employees, Maybe if you have a family member in there, you could do a family transfer. Children, children, um, and then the one that we haven't hit on—I think I hit on almost all of them. But ESOPs—you yes. also do an ESOP, right? Um, again, very complex. That's probably a show in and, in, and it's, in itself. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. And when you're looking at uh, external transfers and you're selling to a third party, I mean, you have either you know a negotiated sell or you have a controlled auction. And so that we'll also dive into next time, but you know, there's a very specific way your business gets sold to a third party. And one of the key factors when it's an internal sale, I think what's critical here is that the excuse from the business owner can't be, well, my key employees don't have money. That's not the reason you can't sell to an internal person. There's ways that you sell internally where they don't have to come up with money right away out of pocket. And sometimes that could be the best strategy, right? Especially if you care about your business.
2: And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from this podcast too, from this exit planning, is like, don't let your perception of, you know, what your company is able to do or your family or your employees dictate the direction you're taking the business. Like, Like you said, don't let, you know, the amount of money your key employer or family member has let you think that you can't structure a deal for you to exit
0: the company. Correct. And and selling to a third party can be obviously way more expensive and you could be paying a lot more in taxes. So to, to just say, well, my only option is to sell it and market and take it to sale. That's not always the top option. There's a lot of options on the table there. Uh, they just have to be explored on what's most important to the business owner. I think all business owners, they have in their mind what they want to see happen to their business once they step away. We all who are business owners did not build a business just to not leave a legacy. There's some sort of something we've built there emotionally, mentally, physically that we want to carry on. And we all have a good idea of what and how we want to carry it on.
1: Yeah. Well said. It's the
2: blood, sweat, and tears. Absolutely. So
0: yeah, going through the exit planning process, I think is a very detailed process that can open the eyes and, and really teach business owners how to maximize value and then also how to actually properly step away from the business. All right, so we'll touch more on those topics as we get into the next podcast on business owners selling the business and we'll talk in, in de- great depth about it. Let's go into RPA Recommends. Uh, Joshua, we want not to start with you. What do you have for us? Uh,
1: my RPA Recommends. Does that have to be business related? Sorry to cut you off, Josh. Is, is this a business pod or can it be personal?
0: Well, I think most business owners probably are the ones listening to it. So if you have something business, that'd be good okay you want to go
1: draw
2: <laughs> sure sure <laughs> i don't know if we've done this but i just kind of popped into my head i had someone you kind of switched my mindset when you said business has anyone done grammarly grammarly is a great product ha, has anyone recommended that yet no, but no. as far as business owners go so grammarly um it's kind of like spell check but it helps your grammar whenever you're typing an email i mean it can even be like an online form so it connects to your web browser but i love it and i know matt you use it brent you use it uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Per, yeah, so we all use it here, but um I, just a, a great tool if you're typing um and using, you know, a computer to send emails or typing just Word documents, papers, Grammarly
1: is is a, a great uh, asset. That's a that's a good one. I didn't know if both of you were using it. We're gonna have to get up on a corporate account and start saving <laughs> some money because uh Do you pay for premium? Of course I pay for premium. Haven't <laughs> I mean, you picked that up? We've been doing the show for a while. I'm the premium guy. <laughs> If there's a premium, you're signing up. I'm
0: going to go a little bit different on this one. You know, usually I have a product that I recommend on most of our shows, and I have a good one for our next show. But I'm going to keep this one business related, and I'm going to say just have good books and records, whether you use QuickBooks, something very simple, or something very elaborate because your business needs something way more advanced. If you want to do business exit planning, you need to have accurate books and records. It is a critical step 101. They have to be right. And if they're not right, we'll help you get them right. But if they're not right, you have good books and records. It's such an important aspect to get your business to the next step.
1: Yeah, nothing is more discouraging than when we uh, sign on a new business client. We request to see their books and records. And then, you know, we look at them and you can just tell right away they're wrong. And it's yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah. So that, that's a great one. You guys know I'm on the golf course once a week now. Huge <laughs> golf guy. I actually haven't tried these out, but I'm going to order some for the retirement plan playbook, but Vice Golf Balls, they make customizable. Um, they're really cool looking. It says Vice Golf on the ball, but then you can put your logo on there. So I'm going to get some retirement plan playbook uh, golf balls made. Oh, I see what you're doing there. Okay. Yeah. And then, the business marketing tip. Okay. Exactly. A little marketing, but here, here's the catch though, boys. I lose my ball so much. There's just gonna be retirement plan playbook balls scattered all throughout the golf course.
0: <laughs> I like you took that a step further. Okay. So are you are you guys playing that much? Where you know if uh, somebody's listening to the podcast and they want to to go hit around with you guys, you, you'll you'll going out there with them.
1: Are you are you that confident yet, Matt, with your game? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I we have the apps, and the apps say we're about the average golfer. Oh, okay. I didn't. know Yeah. That. I mean, I. I think people are be- uh I mean, there's definitely people like, you know, our buddy that we golf with, Matt, who's you know, he's he's pretty much hitting, uh, you know, he's breaking 80 every time. He's really good. Yeah, he's a freak. So, I mean, I-, I float around 100. Yeah, yeah. No, no, to answer your question, though, yeah,
2: of course, you know. I think uh, it, it's just, we really enjoyed it, and Matt and I have kind of, I think, since this year, we've played every round together, right? So... Because I had to back out of one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's just been a lot of fun. So anyone wants to play. Yeah. We're ready to play.
0: And I know more clients are reaching out. They want to get back on the course and play with you yeah. guys. And yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Well, uh, Maybe we I should do a company tournament. Ooh. Let's see if we can get enough interest. That's a yeah. good question.
0: Yeah. Reach out to us. Reach out to us by email or, or send us a message and, and maybe we'll get a tournament going and and get some business owners and some uh, clients out there.
2: Matt will have his vice golf balls. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We'll we'll check out Matt's bag.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you for listening to the Retirement Plan Playbook. If you'd like to learn more about us or read the show notes, please go to the Retirement Plan Playbook. You can also send us a message there about the new golf tournament we
1: just started. Thanks for listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye. RPA Wealth Management is a state-registered investment advisor located in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. RPA Wealth Management may only transact business in those states and jurisdictions in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. A copy of RPA Wealth Management's current disclosure statement, Form ADV Part 1, containing RPA Wealth Management's business operations, services, and fees is available by accessing the SEC's Investment Advisor public disclosure website. RPA Wealth Management will provide Form ADV Part 2A, from Brochure, and 2B, Brochure Supplement, to interested parties upon request. Information provided on this podcast should not be construed as a solicitation or offer or recommendation to acquire or dispose of any investment or engage in any other transaction. RPA Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personal investment advice or financial planning advice through its podcast. RPA Wealth Management podcasts are intended for information and educational purposes only.